Welcome to our Unveiled podcast. We are an extension of the Women's Life Ministry at Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, and our goal is to shape the culture of women so that we can be fully alive through this pandemic, but also beyond. Life begins in Jesus, and so we want you to know Him and allow Him to shape your lives so that you can reflect His glory. On this podcast, we talk about everyday events that women experience. Everything that we talk about is through the lens of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to be culture shapers, and we do this by challenging all of you to think through life through the lens of scripture, that rather than just blending into culture, and we want you to know why you do what you do and why you believe the things that you do, not just because you feel it and uh, because everybody else is doing it, but because it's true and it's biblical. And so we just have to be careful to discern everything that we hear and everything that we see. Make sure we're not just adapting to what culture says, but to actually influence culture by what we know God's word says. And so we want to live in light of God's truth that is revealed to us through his spirit and through his word. And because couples are still falling in love and getting engaged, we want to continue talking about wedding planning and today specifically during engagement. And Karen Hazard is joining me again today. We had a great discussion last week on wedding planning, pre-engagement. We talked a bit about the theology of dating and marriage and even got into a biblical worldview on engagement rings. And today we want to talk about some of the most important things, things that couples need to keep in mind when it comes to wedding prep during their engagement. And so Karen, thanks for joining me again today. And I know we're going to have a great discussion again. So what would you say are some of the most important things and how do you actually get started in the wedding planning during your engagement? Once you have that ring on your finger, you both (laughs) agreed that you want to get married. So that is when things get really exciting. Mm -hmm. But I've noticed lately that that's when things get really stressful all of a sudden Mm. in their relationship. Because now it's, okay, we've made this choice. What do we do now? (laughs) What Mm. is next? How How do we do this properly? So I find that a lot of people are going to you know, big companies looking for big, high, important Mm. wedding planners and forgetting that um, the Bible tells us a lot on how we are supposed to be living life Mm. and that that also applies to any season. In and out of season, we're supposed to be ready to be proclaiming Christ. And so we can do that in our dating uh, and engagement seasons as well. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would mention to them is that they need to learn how to spend their time well. So when you're engaged, you as the, even though you're planning a wedding, you don't want to be mm-hmm. spending every hour that you're hanging out planning the wedding. You don't want to forget to still date in that season, just like we tell couples to still have dates once they're married. You still want to be dating in your engagement season. Mm-hmm. You still want to be um, pouring into each other, um, having that special time together, mm-hmm. being aware of your boundaries and and still holding to those. But you don't want to allow the stress of planning the wedding to get the better of you. Absolutely. So the first thing that I always tell um, couples is to sit down and do a this or that list. This is where you're going to find out how each of you envision your wedding day. So you're going to write down things like indoor or outdoor, plated meal or buffet, DJ or iPod. And then you want to sit down and have each person on their own answer the questions, maybe circle each one that they they kind of envision the day to be. And then you want to discuss that. So this Mm -hmm. is where you're going to find out 
um, why they wanted to do that option. Maybe, you know, they, they're thinking money driven. So they mm-hmm. want to do, they don't want to do a plated meal, or maybe they're thinking it's going to be crazy hot. So they want to do something inside with air conditioning. So when you sit down and do this list afterwards, you want to come up in a, with an agreement on each one of these things that you've decided that you want to do and then move forward from there. I think that's good. And I love how you've uh, said that the, the two of them should really sit down together because sometimes women, because we like to be planners <laughs> and we love a big party, we can just kind of run with it and mm. and start planning things and not even consider that our future husband might want to be involved. And certainly let's not be offended if he doesn't want to be involved in all the planning to the extent that we are. But let's just not ignore him and assume he doesn't want any involvement. Let's include him in the planning process and hear him out as well, right? Right. I had a wedding one time where um, the groom just seemed really uninterested and it, it was just really bothering the bride. And finally it came out that he didn't want a summer wedding because he sweat a lot. <laughs> and he was worried that he was going to sweat through his suit. Poor he guy. Was gonna, and like they, she had planned this whole outdoor, middle of August, under a tent, and he just, all he envisioned was sweating all day long on his, mm. supposed to be his special day. And so if they would have sat down and had that conversation first, indoor, outdoor, he would have said, I, I just really sweat a lot. Or, you know, maybe if he wasn't comfortable saying that, he could have said, like, mm. I just really like air conditioning in the yeah, summer. And I think absolutely. our guests would as well. And those are important things to consider, right? I have actually often thought how summer weddings are great for the girls because mm-hmm. we have the sleeveless dresses many times and it's nice and cool. But the guys are in their, <laughs> their suits. But then winter weddings, as poor girls, have our sleeveless dresses. We're freezing and the guys are, hey, this is yeah, good. Yeah. So it is kind of funny. So a good thing to talk about and see mm-hmm. what you can work mm-hmm. out so that both of you are as comfortable as possible, mm-hmm. right? Uh, next, I would also talk to them again about not having a long engagement. Um, Like we talked last week, it's not good for us to have those long, long engagement seasons and expect our sexual purity to just mm-hmm. be okay. So as you begin talking about your future house, buying a bed, buying sheets for that bed, talking about where you'll spend your honeymoon, these things will rightly excite you for marriage. Mm. But doing that over such a long time period is not a great idea. Right. And really by then, like we talked about last week, we already know that this is the one we want to marry. And so we don't have to drag on that time to really make sure that this person really Mm -hmm. is the one and there's nothing that we're missing. No, we should have figured that out before. So there's no point in having a long engagement. One thing that I did want to mention also in the wedding planning that I've just noticed in in some couples in our church is they forget to book the church. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? It's almost as if, and maybe maybe it's because we, we love our church and we just feel so connected and we just assume that the church will be available <laughs> for us. But that's an important thing to book. We've mm-hmm. got lots of things happening during a regular season anyways at the church because our, our church is full of activity and, and we're on mission to, to do many things. So don't forget to book the church and book your pastor. Make sure he's available. He's mm-hmm. not available 24-7. He might mm-hmm. have vacations or another wedding or other activities going on as well. Mm-hmm. So don't forget uh, that as, as a Christian couple, what we're doing at the wedding at the ceremony can be some of the most significant things that will happen on that wedding day. So let's not forget that in the excitement of planning the big party afterwards. Mm -hmm. That's really more what culture does rather than what a Christian wedding should be all about. 
Uh, so, yeah, so you have to spend your time well, and you have to talk about it, you have to communicate what you want, and, and actually do a lot of planning. So it does take work. And then there's the money money issue. <laughs> and why does money always have to be such a sensitive issue? One of those topics that can get people upset or offended, or some families don't even talk about money at all. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of assumed, and then you assume wrong. So do you have anything to say about money and how you should communicate about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt, you need to be talking to one another Mm -hmm. about finances and with any parents or adults that are involved in the planning. Um, So with your future spouse, with your fiance, you want to be open and honest with each other Mm -hmm. about where you're at right now financially. So you want to come forward with how much money either of you will have right now or you will have by the time of the wedding. Mm -hmm. Then you want to base your budget on that. Then you may also want to think about, like things like this can be talked about in the dating season. You can say, listen, I can't, I wouldn't be able to afford anything. If I can't afford a ring, I can't (laughs) afford to be having a wedding right now. But, you know, maybe if I sold, sold a car that I'm not using or maybe if I you know, got a different job. Like those things can be talked about in dating, but mm-hmm. especially once you're planning the wedding, you need to know where each other is at. You do not want to get married and mm-hmm. then l- go to merge your bank accounts and find out that they had all kinds of debt, that they had no savings whatsoever, or that they just are really flippant with their money. They just spend and they don't really pay attention to where it's going. So talk to one another about mm-hmm. your finances. Very important not to leave those surprises, <laughs> you know, after you get married. And it sets you up, having that communication sets you up for good financial practices mm-hmm. afterwards, exactly. right? Exactly. And like we know, many couples struggle with their finances and that can be a huge source of conflict. If you're open and you're honest and you're abiding by your your boundaries that you're setting financially, it doesn't need to be an right. issue. Money issues aren't because you have too little, but it's because you're not stewarding stewarding that money, whether it's a large sum or a small sum, right? Exactly. But also not just talking to one another about the finances, but sitting down and talking with the Mm -hmm. parents or the adults that are involved in planning. Uh, This is an absolute must and something that people just, again, assume. Mm -hmm. Maybe they assume their parents are, they assume their parents will have the conversation with them, but you are showing your parents that you are getting ready to own your own house or to have your own household, to be in charge of your own Mm -hmm. household. So you need to come forward and be the one that start a conversation. So you want to sit down and just ask them how much either they're willing or have they even thought about that, um, had that conversation with each other. So something like, you know, hey, we're fully prepared to plan a wedding based on the money the two of us have. But before we start planning, we just want to see if you had anything set aside totally fine if you don't. We love you. We love that you have taken care of us this long. We just want to make sure that we are using the best of the funds that we have for this wedding. Absolutely. And there's some parents that might be very open about finances and they might approach you before you even have a chance to talk to them. But just because they don't, if you did grow up in a family that doesn't talk finances and it's all just assumptions You're an adult now. You're preparing for your own family. And so you can start the conversation with your parents, right? And that kind of leads to the whole getting ready to leave and cleave. Mm -hmm. You know, Ephesians 5.31 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So 
asking the questions like, do you know how to pay your own bills? Do you know how to manage your own finances? Do you actually know how to call the hydro company to set Mm -hmm. up the hydro for your house? So part of leaving means learning to do the things in a household that you've never been responsible for. Um, And allow allow your parents to help in the wedding planning Mm -hmm. process, um, but in a gracious way. You know, stand up for the things that are important to you. Um, Don't let this be your mom's second wedding. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to show them that you can spend money responsibly and they don't necessarily need to hold your hand, but that you are preparing to leave and cleave Mm -hmm. even as you plan a wedding. I think that's beautiful. We want to make sure that we're honoring and respecting our parents But ultimately, if we're joining together as one, we have to come together and plan a wedding that we believe before the Lord is going to honor him. And some some of our listeners might not even have parents who are believers. Certainly, they still deserve respect, but they're going to have a very different idea of how money should be spent Mm -hmm. or how the wedding should be planned and might have very strong opinions on that. And that's where we have to be strong enough to say, no, ultimately— I'm under the authority of God, and my husband and I are joining together as one, and we believe that before the Lord, we have to plan a wedding that mm-hmm. is honoring to the Lord mm-hmm. as well. And uh, that that can be hard, but we have to have those conversations, but just in a very respectful yep. way regardless, yep. right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, definitely communicating about money, super, super important. And I also just wanted to talk about some of the marriage customs that were part of the Jewish people in the Bible. And uh, this definitely doesn't mean that all their customs are things that we need to have in place today. First of all, in in the Bible, they weren't always marrying for love because they met the perfect <laughs> um, boyfriend or girlfriend, and they they just felt this felt this tingle, and they're in love and want to spend life together forever. Many times, it was for the mutual benefit of the families, mm-hmm. and many times the fathers are the ones who actually organized the betrothal. And so, it doesn't always mean that. Um, uh, we have to do it that way. But I think what we can learn from that is it's important to involve the the wisdom of of the godly people in our life. And so if our parents are Christians, it's good to ask them, like, is this somebody that you can see me marrying? And of course, that should have been done prior to the engagement, right? But also involving the church. And if if, if the wise people in your life are agreeing to this, it's probably a good thing. Uh, another part of the Jewish betrothal process would be that um, there would be a dowry given, and um, there was there was a gift given both to the family of the bride, but also a, a gift given specifically to the bride. And it was kind of like a bride price, and it was kind of what sealed the marriage. This is what they agree, or this is the time that they both agree to get married, or maybe the families are agreeing that these two will be married. And I kind of see that the ring is taking the place of that now. Mm. It's that official time. What what the Jewish people actually uh, saw as betrothal was as important and binding as marriage itself. And uh, so if you were betrothed, you would actually have to have a divorce if you wanted to wow. end that marriage. And I think that's one more thing that we we need to consider. Sadly, there can be a bit of a flippancy in our culture about engagement. And 
Um, certainly I'm not going to say that it should never happen. Mistakes do happen and maybe the couple should never have been engaged, but we need to take the engagement period very, very seriously. You have promised yourselves to each other. And, uh, certainly in the Bible times, the betrothal was as significant as a marriage, but just without the sex, they hadn't, Hmm. they didn't come together at that point yet. Um, but one of the things that I was studying up on, I thought it was really interesting. And I'm just going to read some stuff here because, uh, I, I don't want to misquote or misspeak. But as I was reading, it talked about how the groom would return to his father's house after the betrothal to prepare the bridal cha- chamber. And this process traditionally took a year or more, the length of time being dictated by the groom's father. And when the place was complete, the groom would return and fetch his bride. The bride would not know the day or the hour of her husband's husband-to-be's return. So the groom's arrival was usually announced with a trumpet call and a shout so that the bride had some forewarning. Now, Karen, can you imagine? (laughs) We've already talked about, you know, so many steps that it takes to plan a wedding and many women love the planning process. Can you just imagine not knowing the day? (laughs) So that, that, you know, we can be thankful for some of the changes that we have and that we can actually plan a day and and be prepared (laughs) But uh, it, in the article that I was reading, it described how how so much of the Jewish planning of the wedding is actually uh, an allegory of God's relationship with the church. So yeah, let me just read this yeah. to you. I just thought it was beautiful. It said, his bride, um, or sorry, I'll just start again. It says, Jesus often used Jewish marriage customs as a beautiful allegory of God's relationship with the church, his bride. Jesus purchased believers with his blood, just like the the bridegroom or the father uh, purchases the bride for the husband-to-be. Jesus purchased the believers with his blood shed on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. He is currently preparing a place for us, just like the the groom goes back to his father's house and prepares a place. And at a future time that no one knows, just like the bride didn't know, he will return for his bride with a trumpet call and a shout. The dead in Christ and those alive in him will be taken to heaven where they will be joined forever with the Lord and hmm. take part in the marriage feast of the Lamb. And what a beautiful allegory that the Jewish people would have understood when marriage is described as the relationship between Christ and the church. And we've kind of lost some of that Mm -hmm. because we don't have those same traditions. But once again, just the importance where Christ and the church will be joined together forever. So important. And our, our, once again, our culture has lost sight of that. If you're no longer happy or if you've offended each other, if it's getting too hard, well, you can always end the marriage. And we have to go into marriage with the mindset that this is forever and it cannot be separated. And, and I do like the part about how after the church is joined with the Lord, they take care part in the marriage feast of the lamb and that just gives us the opportunity to have a big celebration after the wedding too <laughs> yeah, right yeah and that's fun mm-hmm. once again there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with having fun and so i just i think we need to just remember how marriage is very much a display of the gospel we need to keep in mind keep that in mind when we're planning our weddings is my wedding day going to be the gospel 
on display. Mm-hmm. Weddings are such a beautiful, great opportunity to invite people who don't know Jesus into the church to see what the wedding, what the marriage is all about. And even as we're planning the celebration afterwards, the details that we go into to make our celebration fun and and beautiful is is a great way to display the difference between how a Christian has a wedding exactly. and how an unbeliever exactly. might have a wedding. Yes, we can have just as much fun and just as much beauty. And I know you're all about beauty because you love flowers and all that designing, right? But ultimately, it should look differently Mm -hmm. than someone who doesn't know Christ because we're representing Christ even on our wedding day. And I think the same goes for our engagement season. I couldn't help but think when you're talking about that allegory, that that season where we are waiting for Christ to come back. And what would we say we're doing in that season? We're being sanctified. Mm -hmm. So the same thing can be applied to actually our engagement seasons Mm -hmm. before we get married. Are we just using that time where we're sitting around and becoming stagnant in our relationships? Are we allowing others Mm -hmm. to pour into us? Are we allowing ourselves to continually grow and learn more? And so one thing I did want to talk on is how we need to be setting ourselves up for success after the wedding is done. So during that engagement season, what are we doing to prepare for marriage, not just the wedding day? Mm -hmm. Because everyone knows that engagement doesn't end and then the wedding starts and it's just absolutely great wedding day and then everything is wonderful. Mm. You know, we forget we spend so much time in engagement planning for the day that we forget to plan for the marriage. So I just had a couple things that I wanted to point out to do during your engagement season to not just prepare for the wedding, but for the marriage. Absolutely. So the number one thing, and we do this at our church, and I know that a lot of other churches encourage it as well, is pre-marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. It's a prerequisite in our church, and if you want to be married here you and by our pastors, you need to do premarital counseling, and that has so many benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to talk about briefly about a wide array of things that, um, you, that need to be discussed. You're going to talk about finances and how to communicate. Um, I know that you yourself have yeah. led some of those classes, and those are integral to learning how to prepare for marriage. Mm-hmm. But even one step further than that is I would actually say that a couple needs to find another couple that mm-hmm. they look up to. So you want to find a couple that's where you want to be in five to ten years. So, you know, maybe they're married, they have a couple kids, they're working or not working. You know, maybe you kind of pick someone that that is your ideal Um, of where you want to be in the next five to 10 years and then meet with them and actually ask them to mentor you. So you want to ask them things that you should be working on now to prepare for the first year of marriage. I actually had um, a couple girls recently that are married that are looking to one day have kids, but they're not ready Mm -hmm. yet. And they actually asked me, they said, what's something I can be doing in my marriage now to prepare for being um, a wife with kids. Hmm, beautiful. And it was incredible. I said, like, yes, I have so many things. You know, you want to practice communicating. You want to make sure that um, you know how to communicate in so many different areas because that can affect your intimacy. It can affect um, the way, you know, you, you're snipping at each other. Are you quick to forgive? Work on mm. forgiveness. Work on being the first one to forgive, even if you're only responsible for 1% of yeah. the argument. And I find that that is so helpful in our engagement season, mm-hmm. talking to someone, saying, what should we be working on now for 
our wedding to be successful, for our marriage, sorry, to be successful. Mm. And in that, you can also be asking things that you may not have thought about. They may be able to tell you like, did you know that there's a fee for this that you may not have thought of? Or did you think to hire this person? Or have you thought about booking the church? (laughs) You know, the the, the little details that maybe your peers aren't thinking about because either they're not married or they're still so newly married that they maybe have forgotten about some of those things. So having that couple that Mm -hmm. you can maybe meet with weekly or monthly leading up to the wedding that can pour into you um, in an even deeper way than um, the formal marriage counseling does. Yep, yep, absolutely. And we do learn from each other. We mentor each other in sometimes in formal ways and sometimes in informal ways so that we can be become more like Christ and super, super important. And I think even at this point, as you've already said, we have to be very, very careful about talking about the sexual relationship with our spouse because mm-hmm. we don't want to be led into temptation. And yet we know that marriage is the gospel on display and sex is a very important part of that. Mm-hmm. And so marriage is the gospel on display largely because it's a representation of Christ loving his bride and the bride respecting and honoring her husband. And it's a lifelong union that should never be separated. And so uh, sexual relationship is a big part of that. It's our way of expressing that intimacy, that that oneness, that connection with each other. And so I just wanted to know if you could expand on on that a little bit as well so that we can enter into marriage with a healthy view of sexuality. Because like we know, everywhere we look in culture, Sex is portrayed in anything but a biblical manner. And so many Christians have such a distorted view. And some of it's because of what we've seen in culture. Some of it's because maybe there's been sexual abuse in our past or sexual sin. And all of that affects um, our our view. And we want to have that healthy biblical view as mm-hmm. we enter into marriage mm-hmm. and not discover one month in or even on the honeymoon that, whoa, I'm not prepared for this sexual relationship at all. So a couple things I want to say on that. Um, First of all, I found so often that, you know, growing up or being being a young Christian woman, you're told don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. And then you're told, hey, it's your wedding night. Mm -hmm. Sex is going to be great. And and there's, there's not as much preparation for that. So first of all, like you said, we have to have a godly view of sex. So we have to remember that, Sex is from God. He mm-hmm. created it, and he created it to be good. Mm-hmm. He created it to unify us. There's incredible, like, the hormonal exchange that happens mm-hmm. is amazing. It helps to um, the oxytocin that's released, that happy hormone that we have when we give birth. That same hormone is released during intimacy, and it allows us to kind of forget some of the hurts. It allows us that, you know, that kiss and makeup mm. um, kind of feeling. And so we have to have a high view of sex that it is from God. And like you said, um, marriage and the way that even in that allegory, you know, that that marriage displays the gospel, Christ coming back. But, you know, Jesus left his father in heaven, made a covenant with his mm-hmm. bride and then gave of his body. And that's what happens in marriage. So, you know, the, the bride and groom leave their parents, they make a covenant with each other, and then they give of their body. So if we are not preparing for that part of marriage, mm-hmm. there's also going to be a disconnect. So we want to be looking to others. Again, a great help with having an older couple that's pouring into you, asking them, um, maybe even privately, rather than um, 
talking about some details with your um, uh, fiance there, you know, speaking with the same, you know, the women meeting with mm-hmm. the women Very and the men meeting with the yeah. men, talking about what should I be expecting? What are things that um, maybe I, I don't even know. There's a lot of girls mm-hmm. who maybe their parents haven't ever talked to them about, they just said, like we said, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have yep. sex, sex is bad. But how do we change our mindset to sex is good now? Absolutely. Right? And so um, when we think of sex as it's intended to be in the confines of marriage, um, you know, each time a husband and wife are coming together, they're they're proclaiming that they believe this, mm-hmm. that they believe these unions are from God and that that God created this and wants it to be good. Um, so I actually have this this little sex talk saved on my phone that anytime mm. a, a bride is getting married, I'd love to give her a call week before the wedding, like mm, days before, yeah. um, as to not, you know, excite things be- before their time. But to have this little conversation that says like, hey, here's some things that maybe um, you haven't been told. And even if you have, I just want to open up this communication mm-hmm. so that, you know, after the first few weeks, if, if there's questions you have, come to another believer. Don't look to the internet. Don't be looking to pornography for your answers, but come to women in the church Absolutely. and come to us and ask us questions and let us be vulnerable with one another. Because oftentimes some of the little glitches that happen in the beginning can be solved so easily. Absolutely. Before we start having, you know, poor habits and just have a really bad view on it. And I think it's so important that we aren't ashamed. Certainly sex is a private thing. It's between one man and one woman. But if you're having deep issues, Mm. we want to solve that, right? Mm -hmm. And we can do that in a very appropriate way without going into unnecessary detail. But certainly women should be going to women. Mm -hmm. Men should be going to men if there's any issues and resolving mm-hmm. the, the the problems that there are and most problems can easily be be solved with just a little bit of word wisdom life experience and encouragement and, and so, communication yeah absolutely <laughs> back to communication if you're gonna get married you have to have good communication you have to work on that so thanks for joining me again karen it's just always a pleasure talking to you and seeing your passion for marriage. And so thank you. I look forward to chatting with you again next week when we talk about how to actually plan a wedding. And so I hope all our listeners will come back and finish the rest of our series. 